to Hillcrest Church Audio. We hope today's message will help you grow. Well, uh, thanks for uh, being with us for that small group interview. And if you are interested in leading a short-term small group in the future, don't hesitate to reach out. My name's Tim. I want to say welcome to you today. I get to serve on the teaching team here at Hillcrest Church and count it a privilege to do so. We have been in a series of teachings on the book of John. We've looked at these places where Jesus uh, explains who he is, um, these I am statements of the book of John. We're actually wrapping the series up today, coming to this final one we're going to talk about. So I want to invite you, if you have your Bible, pull it out right now, and you can open up to John 14. The book of John is pretty far to the right. Uh, it's in the New Testament. It's after Luke, and it's before Acts, and we'll be picking up in 14 uh, here in a moment. Uh, the other thing, Christian mentioned this earlier, but if you have a notebook you like to take message notes on, or even just a piece of paper, if you don't ha- grab a piece of paper and a pen, we're going to have a little time just for reflection over this entire I Am series at the end this morning. I encourage you to grab that uh, for yourself right now. So when uh, when I was in college, I had the opportunity to do a semester overseas. And on the way back, myself and some friends, we decided to take two weeks and hang out in Europe together. And so here we are. Um, We we didn't have a lot of stuff. We were on a shoestring budget, but we were going to just see the mountains. And so we went to Interlaken, uh, Switzerland, and then uh, some of them peeled off. And then a few of us went to Zermatt, where the Matterhorn is. Uh, spent some time there, and kind of as the trip went on, more and more people peeled off and went in other directions, and so by the end of the, like there was about 12 days into the two weeks, it was just down to me and my buddy Andy. I think we have a picture of Andy and I. Um, here we are, and uh, so it's Andy and I, and we're, we're hiking out to the train station at the end of the valley that Zermatt's in. Andy has to go to like Holland or something. And I need to go to, I have two days. In two days, my plane's leaving from Vienna, Austria. I have to get to Vienna, Austria, meet my friends there. Um, we had no plan on exactly how we're going to meet out. We figured it'd just work itself out. Uh, so get to Vienna, Austria, and then fly out. Well, the thing was, though, um, I didn't have a credit card. I just had cash. And, uh, and we're at the train station. Andy leaves And then I go to buy my train ticket to Vienna, and I don't have enough money for the ticket to Vienna. And so I had heard rumors that train tickets were cheaper in Italy. And so I did what any sensible person would do. I spent two-thirds of my remaining money on a train ticket to Italy. And so I uh, I get that afternoon. I get on the train. It's an overnight train. And um, I, I settle in, window seat, lean up against the window. The ticket taker comes by, punches my ticket, doesn't say anything about needing to change trains or anything. So I just, I fall asleep, head on the window. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm looking forward to waking up in Milan. And uh, the next thing I know, I'm leaning on this window and there is someone pounding on the outside of the window. And I'm, you know, I'm wake, I wake up and what's going on? It's pitch black out. There is no one on the train. The train is stopped. And there's some sort of like railroad maintenance worker banging on the train, motioning for me to get off. 
And so I get my backpack, I stumble off the train, I'm at this train station, it's the middle of the night. There is no one around, no trains, no one to talk to. I am all alone, I am lost, I don't know what country I'm in. And it's, in, it's, and it's just this moment of being dark and alone and lost. And... Uh, I guess the first question I would ask is if that, if my guess is there's some time, some story in your life that that reminds you of. Sometime you have felt alone or lost or in the dark. My second question is this, is at a, kind of at a deeper level, are there ways that you have felt in the dark or lost or alone this fall? When I think about the season we've been in, where has it felt dark to you? How have you felt lost? Where have you felt alone? You know, I, I, I think about um, this most recent kind of the COVID numbers are going up and these new regulations come out in the state of Washington and people are changing plans around Thanksgiving and thinking about Christmas and not being able to see family and friends and the sense of loss around that. And probably, probably for some of us, family and friendships where not everybody sees it the same way. And there might even be tension and conflict around that. And I just think about these things about where does it feel dark right now? Or how do you feel lost right now? Where do you feel alone right now? We're going to look at this uh, story here uh, from the life of Jesus at a moment where his close friends were in the dark and felt alone and felt lost. And how Jesus speaks to them in that place. And so um, we're going to look now at John 14. You can open up your Bible there. Uh, let me just set the stage for us and then I'll get into the text uh, today. So the stage is this. Uh, John 13 tells us that this is the, la the last meal, Jesus' last night with his close friends. The next day, is Jesus is going to be arrested and executed. And he knows this is coming. His friends don't know it's coming, but he knows it's coming. And so he's having this final meal with them. And we see just this darkness hovering over the whole thing. Uh, in John chapter 13, um, uh, we read this. Uh, in verse 21, it says, Jesus is talking to them. It says, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified to his friends. Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. So he says, one of you is going to betray me. We know that it's Judas, and Judas ends up slipping out of the dining room, leaving the house they're in. And in verse 30, we're told, after he slips out, it was night. And the author is using that not just at a literal level, but at a much deeper level. It was dark. And then this chapter ends. Jesus um, is saying that um, he's going to be arrested and that all his friends are going to abandon him. Peter says, no, not I. And then Jesus says uh, to Peter, he says, very truly, I tell you, before the roaster crows, you will disown me three times. And so there's this darkness. Jesus is getting ready to leave them. This confusion, this lostness. And this is where we pick up in chapter 14. So read with me chapter 14 beginning in verse 1. 
Jesus says, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. That you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And so here, Jesus, again, we see him talking about this sense that he's leaving his friends. They're getting left behind. And he says what he's doing, he's going to prepare a place for them where the Father is and where Jesus is. And just the main thing I want to draw out from here is that our focus shouldn't be on the house. It shouldn't be on the, like that um, there's some sort of um, Hilton hotel made of heavenly gold. The focus is on the home. The focus is on the relationship with the Father and with the Son. I was, um, this past week or so, I was talking to a young couple that's preparing to get married in the next year. And I asked the the bride-to-be what part she was most looking forward to. And she said uh, that wherever he is, home is. What Jesus is saying is, where I am in the Father is that's where, that's where home is. I'm bringing you to be home with us. And so uh, I want to turn now to verse 5 because Thomas, one of his friends, asks him a question out of this. Thomas is focused on the fact that Jesus is leaving and the darkness and the confusion. Thomas in verse 5 says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? And I just think Thomas, he captures this sense of it is dark and I'm confused and I feel lost and I feel alone. And it's into this that we read in verse 6, Jesus' answer. Jesus answers him and says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This, uh, you know, when we're sketching out this I Am series and these uh, uh, eight different I Am statements that we're going to talk about, we decided that we would have this one be the final one. Because in many ways, uh, this I am the way and the truth and the life, it pulls together all the other I am statements that we've looked at. One writer that I was reading this week, it says, it is the premier expression of the theology of this entire gospel. See, Jesus is the way to the Abba Father. Jesus, central to the Jesus movement, is this idea that we, you and I, we can't earn our way to God. That, um, that our relationship with the Abba Father, with God, our right relationship, our forgiveness, our being adopted into the family of God, it is only an ever sheer gift through the death and resurrection of Jesus, His Son. Jesus is literally the doorway to intimacy and relationship with God the Father. 
Jesus also, he's not only the way to God, Jesus uh, embodies the way of God. It's no coincidence that Jesus' statement here, I am the way and the truth and the life, in the book of John, it is sandwiched between two events, the foot washing and the cross. It is sandwiched between the Jesus the King taking off his outer garment and getting down on his knees and showing his disciples that he is the King who washes feet. And then, of course, afterwards, going to the cross for his enemies that they might be forgiven, showing them that he is the king who is crucified, that they might be right with him. Jesus embodies the way of God. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth doesn't mean Jesus is all truth. It doesn't mean, uh, what is the boiling point of water? Jesus. No, it's not, it doesn't work that way. Jesus is the truth about who God is. Uh, central to the Jesus movement is this idea that we cannot discover who God is or what God is like on our own. God must reveal God's self to us. If we try to just figure out God on our own, on our own reflections and intuitions, we will only and always make God in our own image. Jesus is the truth about who God is. And this is not a weapon to be wielded, but a gift to be received. Jesus, God reveals God's self to us in Jesus. If you want to know what the heart of God looks like, you look at Jesus. We don't say, you don't start with an idea about who God is and apply it to Jesus. You start by looking at Jesus to figure out who God is. And the truth is, when we look at Jesus, we see he comes and he touches the leper and heals the leper. He, he, he speaks out and he calls people away from lust and anger and hypocrisy and revenge seeking. And he invites people to generosity and forgiveness and self-sacrifice. Jesus sits down and he shares the table with prostitutes and thieves. He meets the blind beggar on the side of the road and he stops the entire procession that he might speak with him and heal him. He meets the woman caught in adultery and forgives her. He rides into Jerusalem on a humble donkey and gives his life on a cross that those who are his enemies might be forgiven and no friendship with him. Jesus is the truth about who God is. And Jesus is the life. We've talked over and over in this series about how uh, in, in the book of John we see Jesus bringing the life of the age to come. The real life as it's meant to be lived of the age to come that we can begin to experience here and now. And when we say Jesus is the life, what we mean is that Jesus is the fountainhead of that life. That if we said, Jesus, could you give us some other kind of life? Jesus would say, I have no other kind of life to give you. I am the life. Where I am, life is. Jesus is the life. And so in this moment, when the disciples felt uh, in the dark, 
and lost and alone. Jesus speaks right into that situation and he reveals to them who he is and he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And I think about 19 years ago when I was on that train platform in the dark, feeling lost and alone, and a train pulled up, and a conductor stepped off, and I told him my situation, and he said to me, I can get you to where you need to go. I love to read my uh, kids' books. And one of the books uh, we were reading this fall was a book called Voyage of the Dawn Treader. I don't know if you've read it before. It's from um, C.S. Lewis's uh, Chronicles of Narnia. And if it's new to you, um, the way this story is set up, there are these kids from England who get taken to this other world called Narnia. And uh, there's a number of them. One of them is a girl named Lucy. And there they meet with some friends, Caspian, a prince, and they, uh, they go on this boat. The Dawn Treader is the name of this boat. And they go on this voyage through these magical seas, exploring these different lands. And uh, at one point in the story, they end up at this place called the Dark Island. And the Dark Island is an island where um, it's pitch black all the time. You can't get out, and your nightmares might come true. Let me read to you this scene from the Dark Island. We shall never get out, never get out, moaned the rowers. He's steering us wrong. We're going round and round in circles. We shall never get out. The stranger who had been lying in a huddled heap on the deck, sat up and burst out into a horrible screaming laugh. Never get out, he yelled. That's it, of course. We shall never get out. What a fool I was to have thought they would let me go as easy as that. No, no, we shall never get out. Lucy leant, against her, leant her head on the edge of the fighting top and whispered, Aslan, Aslan. If ever you loved us at all, send us help now. The darkness did not grow any less, but she began to feel a little, a very, very little better. After all, nothing has really happened to us yet, she thought. Look, cried Reinolf's voice hoarsely from the bows. There was a tiny speck of light ahead. And while they watched, a broad beam of light fell from it upon the ship. And it did not alter the surrounding darkness, but the whole ship was lit up as if by a searchlight. Caspian blinked and stared round and saw the faces of his companions all with wild, fixed expressions. Everyone was staring in the same direction, and behind everyone lay his black, sharply edged shadow. Lucy looked along the beam and presently saw something in it. At first, it looked like a cross. Then it looked like an aeroplane, and then it looked like a kite. And at last, with the whirring of wings, it was right overhead and was an albatross. It circled three times round the mast and then perched for an instant on the crest of the gilded dragon at the prow. It called out in a strong, sweet voice what seemed to be words, though no one understood them. 
And after that, it spread its wings, rose, and began to fly slowly ahead, bringing a little to starboard. Drinian steered after it, not doubting that it offered good guidance. But no one except Lucy knew that as it circled the mast, it has whispered to her, Courage, dear heart. And the voice she felt sure was Aslan's. And with the voice, a delicious smell breathed in her face. When the disciples were in the dark and alone and lost, Jesus spoke words to them to cling to, to remind them of the truth of who he was. Who he is. When Lucy was alone and in the dark, she called out, and Aslan came and spoke words of courage to her that she might cling to, that he might lead them out. I want to take a moment here at the end here, and I want to give us a moment to reflect. Um, we've done this whole series now, these eight I am statements. And the question I want to ask us is this. And in fact, I'm going to read all eight of them here in a moment that we can just hear them all be reminded again. But the question is this. Is there one of these I am statements that in your place this moment you sense Jesus speaking to you? That you might claim that is the I am statement Jesus is saying to me right now. And so I want, I'm going to read these. I want to, we're going to have some time for reflection. But I want you to just listen. Uh, what is Jesus saying to you? What I am statement is he speaking to you? I think later on this morning, later on this week, you might reflect on what would it look like for you to trust in that statement Jesus is saying, to lean on it. And then finally, the other part of the reflection I want to offer for us today is how will you remember? This is an idea that Jessica Mumley uh, gave to me on how we might reflect on this whole series. But as you identify, hey, I sense this is the I am statement Jesus is saying to me. How might you physically represent that over the next month? For me, I am not the most creative with that sort of thing. I would probably simply write it down and tape it up somewhere where I'll see it. But I know there's uh, some of us who might um, paint or draw a picture. Some of us might take a physical object. Maybe you sense Jesus saying that he is your light, and you take a candle and put it in a significant place at your, uh, where you study or where you work. But uh, how might you remember? So what I'm going to do now, I'm going to read these I am statements for us. Um, Carla's going to come back up here with me in a moment. We're going to roll into song. And then um, throughout the rest of the uh, musical worship today, I just want to invite you, you can take as much of this time as you need just to reflect on these things and listen to what Jesus might be speaking to you and how you might hold on to that. So let me read, um, and then we're going to just flow right into reflection and worship. This is what Jesus says to us. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is the I am who I am 
God on earth. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus fulfills the deep longings of our souls. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus pushes back darkness and guides our lives. I am the gate. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus offers the good life, the life of the age to come here and now. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus leads through self-submitting love for others. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Jesus brings resurrection power and the life of the age to come to wherever he is. I am the vine, the true vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Jesus makes our lives fruitful as we abide in him. And finally, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus reveals himself to us when it is dark, when we are lost, when we are alone. Thanks for connecting with Hillcrest Church. For more info on this and other sermons, visit us online at hcbellingham.com or join us at 9 or 11 a.m. any Sunday morning, 1400 Larrabee Ave, Bellingham, Washington.